You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 Podcast. This is Brady Trantham. Uh, Madison will not be with us today. She is down in Florida holding it down two weeks after I get out, um, get back from Florida for a wedding. So, you know, I work at the franchise, work at 107.7, and a lot of the times I'm working outside of the station uh, covering the team that everybody knows and loves, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm not here a lot. I don't get to see a lot of the people that actually are technically my coworkers. And with Madison gone, I thought, well, who should I ask? And I've wanted this person on the podcast for quite some time. Uh, went to a handful of Thunder games last season. Um, was But obviously we were never able to pin down a time because he does have to work super, super early. 5.30 in the morning. You hear him every day on 107.7 The Franchise from 5.30 to 9. That is one Mr. Eddie Radosevich also... Of the Sooner of Sooner Scoop fame does an awesome job, and I'm sure the OU fans that listen to this podcast are well aware of Sooner Scoop podcast. But if you're not, if you're an OU fan, listen to it. I do. So uh, Eddie, thank you so much for uh, filling in for Madison today. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, kind words, and uh, yeah, it has been. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Like I get done here at nine, so. <laughs> Usually the sales staff isn't even here. Yeah. And for the well, certainly for like the first two hours of the day, nobody's here. So uh, I'll be honest. I still am learning people <laughs> as, as we go on. And I've been up here for an hour. So I mean, uh, for a year. So uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be with you. And uh, I'm glad. Now, is, where's Madison at? Is she at like a... Fort Walton Beach, I believe, is where like she's... Like vacation? Uh, it's some, or a friend, friend of her is getting married. Nice. And apparently, very this, nice. Apparently, this friend picked out some. Um, well, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say anything because who knows? This friend of Madison's might listen to the podcast. I don't want to throw throw this person under the bus on her special day. So, uh, well, they yeah. do. They go cheap. <laughs> What's wrong? Oh, it's just Madison didn't really like the attire that she's required to oh, wear. Oh wow! And it's a beach. Yeah. It's a beach wedding. Yeah, and that's definitely on the uh, the wedding party then. Yeah, so whoever planned whatever that, planned that, like shame on you. They're gonna be in Florida for five days. I mean, I can't. <laughs> you can't bitch and complain too much. No, I, I was I was just in Panama City Beach for pretty too, like probably too long. I was there for mm-hmm. a week and a day, and from what I remember, it was a good time. I didn't get in any trouble. So I never went to Florida for uh, spring break. I know a lot of people that did though, like yeah. Destin and Panama City. Like they've cut down on spring break, haven't they? At Pan- in Panama, you can't drink on the beach anymore. Well, you can drink on the beach. I was I was there during a Memorial Day weekend and on Memorial Day, and it wasn't as packed as I thought it would be. Like Destin was full. Destin's yeah. like a complete tourist yeah. town. What's the uh, What's the new one? Uh, or not new, but it seems like it's more popular these days. Thirty uh, A. Oh yeah. Is that like that's in the uh, Panhandle, isn't it? I think like, so. by Destin yeah. or whatever. It's just a big drunk fest, and it was... So oh only That's the only uh, part of Florida that I have any interest in going back to, is the, the panhandle, whether it be Destin or 30A. You know, and it never, I'm done with Miami. It ne- Oh, God. It never fails, though. Like I, I'd been going to Destin with my aunt and my uncle and their family since I was 
you know, I went when I was 16, 17, then I went was when I was 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Florida, and it's a vacation spot, so you're going to get a lot of people from the south. But yeah. it, it seemed, like when I was 16 and 17, so this is 06, 07, everybody up in Destin, Florida Gator fans, everywhere. Um, about 2010, 11, there were a lot of Auburn fans. There were a lot of LSU fans. And now, like, I go down to Panama City Beach, and literally everybody has the Alabama A flag just flying around. Imagine that. And it's just, I mean, good God. Like, be consistent. Just in, the be land cons- of, in the land of bandwagon in Daytona, <laughs> imagine that, that they go after a Southeast Conference team. <laughs> no, but, you know, like kind of what you were saying earlier, uh, yeah, like, I uh, usually if I'm ever, like, working in the station – it's doing Thunder post game shows, yeah. which could start anywhere. From hey, there's 10 been th- there's been nights where I feel like we're gonna overlap, and it's like yeah. Brady and Madison are probably leaving in an, an hour before we get here. I know there was. I think it was the game the Thunder got eliminated. I walked out of the uh, studio at around three forty five. I bet Steely was here, wasn't he? Uh, no, he wasn't here just yet. Um, I was surprised because I've heard some stories about Steely just coming in. Yeah, he comes about, in at like three. Good God, dude doesn't sleep. But, yeah, like, there are times where I walk into the uh, station where, like, I'll punch in the key code and I'll walk in and people have never seen me before. And they're like, who the hell is this? But he knows the key. He knows how to mm-hmm. get in here. So I guess he's supposed to be here. But uh, anyway, Thunder stuff, which there is so much to talk about, not with this team. Uh, they haven't played since uh, April, April 23rd or 20th. We're at the point of the NBA season where obviously the NBA finals are going on, but it does feel like the Thunder haven't played in five months. Yeah, and, you know, this is a franchise, this is a city that um, if you've been either a fan, if you've been in the media, um, the first nine, eight or nine years of the, or seven or eight years of the franchise, uh, this team was playing well into June. Um, well, maybe not into June because that's when the finals start, but, you know, you know really late into the postseason, and it's just... <laughs> For whatever reason, Kevin Durant leaving, uh, Russell Westbrook's, Paul Paul George's injury, uh, the Thunder just haven't had that same type of um, success. But uh, I guess really quick before we get into like deeper Thunder stuff, Kevin Durant going down. Like I haven't I didn't get a chance to listen to you guys um, react to it on the radio yesterday, uh, hours after it kind of went down. But were you at all like just? Are you are you jumping on the blame bandwagon of Golden State, or are you just like you know KD wanted to play, he was going to play? It, these things. I don't happen. think there's anybody to blame. I mean, I think it's a thing that like everybody, especially in today's world uh, or today's society, like you have to take one side or the other, and especially on Twitter, it seems like that's the that's the case. And I don't think it's anybody's fault. I mean, he knew what he was getting into. I think the Warriors knew what they were getting into. It's kind of like what Gilman said this morning, as far as. Uh, in the last 24, 36 hours since the end of the game, uh, or since the end of game five, is it's like you you are either on the Warrior side or you're on the KD side or you're on the side that just like doesn't really care. And I think that I'm in that that third side as far as I mean, sure, you never want to see the guy get injured, you never want to see the guy get hurt, but at the same time, it's like he's not the first player that has ever <laughs> played or attempted to play while hurt. And especially in the NBA Finals, every guy out there, like you have Kevon Looney that it seems like basically his shoulder's People falling off. People forgot about that. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have a shoulder right now. But and it just playing. so happens that KD came back and had a, is it worse? It was definitely worst case scenario as far yeah. as what could have possibly happened when you try to play through an injury. But there's so many guys night in, night out in the NBA 
or, you know, every Sunday that in the NFL or day to day in Major League Baseball that uh, maybe not Major League Baseball, because most of those guys are you go on the 15 day DL or whatever. But <laughs> like, it's not the first time that this has happened, but maybe it's the first time it's ever happened that it's backfired this much on a on a on a grand scale. And when you you know, I guess when you take a step back and you look at what this means for Kevin Durant, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 impactful. It's it's going to be a footprint on the NBA as far as what happens in the next two years or the next specifically God, yeah. the next 365 days. But let's not act like and I, I think that this is a little bit of another peek into the Kevin Durant PR team PR storm as far as like now that it's happened in the last 12 hours or 24 hours. It's like you get this narrative out there that, well, Kevin was trying to play through injury like it almost feels like they're trying to make us feel bad for the guy. It's like obviously everybody feels bad for him, but at the same time, I don't really feel too terribly for him because he kind of knew this was going to happen, right? Or yeah. not knew that he was going to get hurt, but you knew that this was there. There was a chance that he was going to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the differences uh, that fans or media or like anybody associated with the sport will have if it's football or if it's basketball because like i'll tell you this and you'll you'll be very familiar with this thought um watching that game you know katie comes out he's three for three um, from the three-point line he looks really he looked really good um looked like every bit the same player that left off you know scoring 40 points a game in the playoffs then he gets hurt really reminded me of 2009 sam bradford uh university of oklahoma quarterback for those that aren't ou fans uh, first game of the year, he uh, broke his collarbone, or it, it was separated his AC joint. He mm-hmm. separated his AC joint, um, basically sat out for a, almost a month, and then came back for the OU or for uh, the OU Baylor game. And then the next week, he played against OU. Um, he played against Texas, played a drive and a half, and then got tackled to the ground, left the game, was out for the rest of the year. It kind of reminded me of that, just because of the magnitude of the player that it was, of how quick quickly it happened where it was almost surreal because i'm sure that thought went through a lot of people's heads of like that's cool that he's coming back you know like we want to see all the best players in the biggest stage but man wouldn't that suck if he goes down yeah and that's exactly what happened and when you call something like that in your head it it feels almost scripted it feels almost unfair yeah and it's in a way it's like it's one of those things too it's on the flip side of it, like Durant's in a no-win situation too, because if he doesn't come back and then it comes out that, yeah, he probably could have given it a go. Well, then he looks like the asshole. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it, I just think it's one of those things that he wasn't going to win, and it's one of those things in sports that people love to be faux outraged, and I think that's the worst part about this whole thing is like, yeah, you have to have a take on everything, you have to have a side on everything. Uh, you have to go to the, you know, I guess the the overly uh, aggressive end of the spectrum just as far as, uh, you know, when the injury does happen, you can't say anything without first stating, oh, I feel sorry for the guy. Like, obviously, nobody wants to see. I don't think there's anybody out there, and I think anybody that's listened to me or Steely on the radio it's like, yeah, we joke about him having a season-ending injury, but no, I don't think anybody truly wanted to see the guy get hurt. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you know because I, you have Twitter open right now, so you might. But uh, apparently, Toronto fans are just the worst people on. Oh right yeah, now, so maybe, yeah, because maybe that's the only, Toronto's the only place that that would have reacted. Like, 
if I was in the arena, I probably I don't think I would have cheered for the guy to get hurt. But I, I think everybody's instant thought is this game becomes easier for Toronto now. Well, it's like look. Do not do not come at me with like the handful of drunk people you can pick out in a screenshot in a crowd. Right. Like, like there there are, there's eleven to fifteen thousand people in any NBA arena. Please tell me that at least two hundred of them are not assholes. This is the, this is a bad it's a bad example too. But it's like when anything uh, you know borderline racist happens on a campus, that school then gets labeled as oh well there's a a problem on campus, if you will. I, I, that's a it's it's a bad analogy, but I think it kind of suits this as far as everybody has to jump to one side or the other, and it just can't be something down the middle. As far as that's what happens in sports, it, it happens. Yeah, Injuries it's, happen. It's a competitive, and it sucks that it happened to probably the best player in the, in the NBA right now. <laughs> it's the competitive juices. It's the, um, I mean, on his injury. Toronto got put on a fast break, so uh, I mean, fans are going to cheer for that. But yeah, sure. like it, it was a bad, it was a bad look. It was just a bad thing for basketball. And uh, I mean, I think you're exactly right. If it had come out later on, like after the Warriors either lost the series or if they'd come back three-one down and won without Kevin Durant, and it came out that yeah, he could have played. Uh, good luck with the Kevin Durant PR right Yeah, there. it, it and, looks terrible for everybody. And they're already in full swing, like you said, with the whole, like, um, we've got to feel bad for this guy. And I, I feel terrible for him, but at the same time, I think you're exactly right. There, there's something to be said about just kind of, you don't always have to have the damn take. You Sometimes it's just, it's right down the middle. And right. I don't think a medical staff can can predict oh yeah you're going to you have you can potentially tear your Achilles and if they if they if they were able to they wouldn't have let him on the damn court they wouldn't have let him and nobody from the I don't think anybody from the Golden State uh front office went into the locker room is like put the jersey on you're getting out there yeah like and Durant wanted to play nobody's gonna sit out of the NBA finals that's this, just ridiculous. This is to think. this is a franchise that has won a title without Kevin Durant sure with, with the guys primarily still on the floor so yeah like they wanted him out there. Uh, they wanted to do everything that they could to get him out there. Uh, he also wanted to be out there. So, like, there's really no one to blame. It's just completely and utterly unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. a faux outrage. And that's, faux, there's there's a lot of that in today's sports take season. It's faux outrage. Uh, damn those, like, hand, like, those hundreds of people that cheered Kevin Durant to be hurt. You know, screw those people. They're, they're weak. Uh, but... You know what? These things happen. They do happen. And I think that it's going to be, you know, if anything, I feel bad for the guy just for the fact that we're probably losing a year of Kevin Durant in his prime. And that goes into like the legacy talk and what it really means. And I mean, even further, as far as he could come back and not be the same player. Like did Kevin Durant peak? I think that's probably a bigger question than anything out there right now, as far as, Will he be able to bounce back from this? And is it or is it not the same foot that he's already had problems with? Well, it's it's. Um, I mean, you look at Boogie, uh, and there are a lot of factors that kind of go into this. Like especially sure. right now, he had another injury that he had in the first round with the hamstring mm-hmm. or the quad. I can't remember. Um, but before that, during the re- regular season when he came back, now he's on a different team. He's got better players around him. He's not going to have the ball as much as he did in Sacramento or New Orleans. Uh, so he's not going to do as much damage in the box score as he would. But he he never really looked like this. He never got to the point where I'm like, okay, Boogie's back. Achilles injuries are just like ACL tears were in the 80s. Yeah. Where 
you tear your ACL, you're probably done playing like football or basketball. Nowadays, you tear your ACL, it sucks, but you're going to come back. And if you can get over the mental hurdle of seeing your ACL explode, you're going to be probably better off. So, I mean, that that sucks for basketball fans that that could potentially super alter Kevin Durant's trajectory. It's crazy to think that this injury... Not to mention the, two weeks before free agency, right? Yeah. And and what was going to be like the biggest free agents, I, not the biggest free agents talk, but one of those summers that everybody's been leading up to. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, I think anybody that pays attention to the NBA or the current landscape of the NBA knows that the Knicks have been waiting years for this moment. They've and been clearing cap space. The still, Nets, yeah, everybody's. I don't think it's going to change yeah. anything, but don't don't you think that it might change Durant's decision as far as? Do I just take the 31 mil up front right now with the Warriors and rehab out here in the, the Bay Area? Or I mean, I, I guess whoever he signs with or whatever decision he makes, it's going to be basically based on maybe not so much as the team as far as who he feels most comfortable with in the rehab process. Well, like because now this could change. I'm still assuming that the Knicks will still throw the max at him. Sure. And so you get the most amount sure. of money for the longest amount of time, and I think Kevin will take that. Now, if Golden State, for whatever reason, like let's let's say, and I don't think this will happen, let's say that they just feel completely terrible with how the whole Kevin Durant saga has gone, and they throw a max at him, and they just say, Clay, we're sorry, take this shorter deal or go somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's possible. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, I think Kevin's going to take the max deal of – any of those two places. I don't really see him going to the Clippers. I don't see him going to the Lakers. Um, I don't see him going to the Nets. So at least the two that everybody kind of thought that yeah, there would be at the beginning of 2019. Yeah, and I think the Knicks are so desperate to show their fans that, you know, we did something good. Even though he's going to be on the bench for the entire year. It's yeah. like, hey, look, Kevin Durant, seven foot tall, sitting in a suit uh, courtside at the Knicks games. Like, that's great. Um, what I think it might be, might do is just completely alter other guys like Anthony Davis, who's sure. been rumored to have, to want to be traded the Knicks. Now it's like, why does he want to go there now? Um, especially when he's going to be a free agent in the summer, he could just sign there the theoretical year if Kevin Durant is with the Knicks, the year that he is able to come back onto the floor. So I don't know why there are some there would be some big players out there that want to go to the Knicks by themselves and basically just suck for a year. Because, like, Anthony Davis, as great as he is, we've seen him carry a team, and it's not that it's not that good. Um, and New Orleans probably has more or, pref- or comparable talent to what the Knicks have had. Yeah. So I, uh, New Orleans just isn't New York City. Yeah, so I don't think... Kevin- I don't know how you can make a conscious decision wanting to play for James Dolan over uh, <laughs> David Griffin. I know one's an owner and one's a GM, but... It's just night and day difference. Oh God, yeah. I, I so like I don't think it's going to really affect Kevin Durant's destination. I think it's going to have a bigger effect on other guys. But I mean, we'll see. So much can change. But one thing that hasn't changed, Eddie, is just the Thunder and their inability to do that much uh, in the postseason these last three years. There are reasons, you know. There are injuries, unfortunate timing of injuries. Paul George. Um, now I don't know if you ever heard my take on it, so I'll just quickly rehash it i at as the season ended i was not going to be that guy that was like you know what well paul george was hurt and i think a lot of that was probably due to the fact that we kind of did that same um, song and dance the previous year with andre robertson and it was true it's like when the thunder had andre their defense was up here when he left it fell like a rock like and it was so apparent that without andre they just weren't the same team so it was kind of unfair 
to gauge their success, even though losing to Utah was a complete and utter disaster uh, in the postseason two years ago. Sonic, kind of the same thing happened, but Paul was still out there. So I just was kind of tired of, I don't want to hear the injury excuse, but the further away I get um, removed from the playoffs, from the Thunder season, I just really want to see what this team can do with Paul George in his prime, playing in the MVP conversation as the, as the alpha of the team. I want to see how far that can that team can go if he's healthy. So uh, you'd, I, like, you'd like to think that team was what you saw for a month and a half, right? Yeah, and it wasn't... In January it, and it, February. It wasn't in, like, bullshit time where it happened in October or November. Yeah. It happened, you know, around the All-Star break, before the All-Star break. It happened during the time of the year where teams start amping up their play. Yeah. So, no. And it was against quality competition, that 12-game uh, and 14-game winning streak. Uh, just a lot of good things and uh, a lot of things that were, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought were sustainable at the time, but Mm-mm. it just kept... Paul George kept scoring. He kept playing well. Russell Westbrook kept playing within the offense. It was like everybody was shooting the ball well at that time. It, it wasn't just Paul George. He was able Terrence. to kick it out, and Terrence Ferguson was hitting threes, or Patrick Patterson was hitting threes. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I get what you're you're uh, kind of getting at, though. It's, it's It hasn't been the most well-scripted run of all time, but... At the same time, it's like these other teams have the same problems. They're able to get through it. And, you know, I mean, look at Golden State as a perfect example. They are down, what, six in the fourth quarter and find a way to win without Kevin Durant in a game that they knew he had basically had a season-ending injury. Yeah, that's that's the like they 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 don't have the excuses or the built-in excuses. And, sure, they have two of the better shooters, you know, maybe to ever play the basketball but at the same time, they find ways to win, and you just don't see that out of the Thunder. And I, I don't know. It was it was a frustrating year, just as far as I don't know how much further this team can go with Billy Donovan as a head coach. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from 2019, just as far as, and it might be the biggest excuse out there as well as you just blame it on the coach and you move on. Mm-hmm. I think Russell Westbrook has a lot. This is I, I we've say this every year since Duran has been gone as far as this is a big summer for for Westbrook as far as uh I, I don't know about taking his game to the next level because I don't know if you can. I don't know if there is a next level. I think maybe the best answer would be to dial it back some. Yeah, and that kind of that kind of it's a perfect segue into what I want to talk to you about next because you know, you do a great job of not only covering the Thunder, but you're also a fan. You've gone to the games as a sure. fan, so you can straddle that line of Yeah, the Thunder having, are the one team that I can go I guess cheer for in a way. Yeah. Outside of baseball and the Cubs. Mm. But yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so you know, me just covering the team and not having that fan perspective of the team, maybe I'm just completely missing the fact of I don't necessarily mind them wanting to run it back because, like I said, I want to see what a Paul George, healthy Paul George-led team, can how far that can take the Thunder. Um, Shit, I want to see what – and this is blasphemy because I never would have thought I would have said this, but like I want to see what Andre Robertson adds to the mix just as far as like what this team – when constructed with the pieces in place, what they can be all about. Yeah. I I guess, like, my question to you is, is do you think that that's even possible with, with Paul George basically having the reins, which would mean Russell t- dialing it back a little bit? He didn't dial it back too much. He was yeah. aggressive like he normally is. He was his physical freakness like he always is in that 12 wins and 14 game streak when the Thunder looked like a great team. But it seems like it, like, to me – 
it still won't matter because when it gets to those like when the lights get brightest when you the go back to what com- you're comfortable with right it's not that he goes back to what's what he's comfortable with it just becomes more personal and that's like yeah. that's the thing with me with russ is when things become so damn personal and you lose sight of like this it's basketball yes and we talk about how it's so important that you need superstars it's still a team sport right the better teams always outplay the teams that are iso reliant that are um, that only have one or two guys, and then everybody else just kind of get out of the way. So, like, do you even think that that's possible? Like, for Paul George to be at his absolute height, and then Russell Westbrook to recognize it and dial it back to an extent and just let the game play naturally and organically instead of him trying to force the square peg through the round hole. I think the best way to answer would be by saying, no, I do not. Because we've seen But I want to believe it so much that maybe I've talked myself into thinking maybe it's possible. And I it just I don't know if there's like a come to Jesus meeting type thing that you can have with Russ, and I don't think that there is, but I just this is and, and I said it so many times this year. I watch that shit show every night and then roll in here on a weekday morning or whatever. <laughs> and it just seems like like I don't understand how professional basketball players can go back and watch and I don't think that they go back and watch film every night like you do in high school. I get but bored doing it. I, I no, get bored like, doing who, it. Who would want to? But I don't know. I don't know how you couldn't go back and watch some instances. And I know that the Thunder take clips and put it together as far as scouting and stuff like that. Like how you couldn't go back and watch and think when we're excelling, we do this, and when we go lose to Orlando on a Tuesday night as you know eight point nine point favorites. We do this. And how you don't look at the two games and think, maybe I should start doing example A more. Like, it just, that doesn't make sense to me. And I think that, you know, I guess you do get lost in the game a little bit. You get lost in the, maybe the desire to win too much, I guess, would be kind of a bad way to put it. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do because I do. Like they're 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 close. Like I think they're closer than people think, but they're still pretty far away. If that makes sense. I, I and I think that you know the Warriors have been such a bad example of like this is what you need to be because it's such a like I think that almost takes it away from what the Warriors have accomplished in a way as far as like that's almost unattainable yeah. as far as like getting five, you know, four all-stars together on the same team. Yeah. And then you have an example like the Rockets who basically they, they just, they were able to pick up guy after guy after guy, like really quickly and fam like team, like other fan bases teams will sit, will sit there and say like, why can't we do yeah. that? Why can't we pick up a PJ Tucker? Why can't we pick up an Eric Gordon or wh- whatever? Just basically guys that can help level the playing field with the upper echelon of the league and the Thunder you know they they do things their own way just like the rockets do things their own way sure. everybody does something differently but it kind of goes into on um, the next thing um, cuz what you just described like you know you 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 beat these good teams then you lose randomly to an orlando type team and and you I look I think that that's the biggest like the nights that they just don't show up yeah. and that's going to happen it's going to happen once or twice uh, you know, a month. I think it's yeah. like it's it's gonna happen. That that happens. To, they're humans. The first bad loss of the year last year in the regular season, I remember, was that um, loss on the road to Chicago, where mm-hmm. Laurie Markkinen hit that yeah. like, game-winning runner. Yeah. And at the time, like the Thunder had, they'd lost games, and a lot of it was due to the fact that Russell didn't play, or he just came back, 
or Russell hurt his ankle again. So up until that point, they really didn't have a bad loss, and that happens, and, I'm just, and that game happened, and I was like, I, you know, it's I, I could see it's disappointing, but you know, it's not like last year where they were losing and losing and losing to bad teams, and then they'd show up against Golden State, and they'd show up against Houston. You know, it wasn't, it didn't have that same stench, but. I think overall with that, because that's been a problem with this team since Kevin Durant left, is, and I don't want this to be the blame Russell Westbrook podcast at all, because obviously he's a former MVP, he's very integral to the Thunder's success, and if they're ever ever able to be successful, he will have a big say in it. Yeah. But I think that that, like, because you talked about it earlier, like, how does he, how does his game reach a new level? And I don't think it's so much as well, he needs to be a better shooter. Like, he just needs to be lock himself in a gym and just shoot, shoot, shoot until he's a 36% three-point shooter. I don't think it's I don't think it's that because, one, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it just kind of comes down to his mental approach of the game. And we've all talked about this in radio, podcasts, for the last six months. It We've talked about it in ways of, okay, Russell, we get that you want to be, like, uber macho and super like near psychopath near psychopath when it comes to the game of basketball so much so that you're still in that you know that frame of mind after a game Mm -hmm. where you don't want to talk to barry trammell you don't want to really answer questions you're you're really snide about some things that that's just the way that's the kind of shit that gets you in trouble when things aren't going bad it's like yeah if you're you know having an mvp season and while it's not like the best look and i think it's basically shitty that he does that kind of stuff to tram but if you win nobody says anything about it and it's okay it's like but when you turn the ball over 13 times and you lose three or four in a week when you probably should have gone three and one all of a sudden that stuff catches up to you yeah no like that's my ultimate question about russell is does he alter his game in that way does he alter his approach because you can still have that killer mentality mm-hmm. you can still look at your opponent and say that's my enemy you can have that kind of like us against the world black and white view of basketball but it just needs to be like i think i don't think that this is a hot take at all i think it just needs to be dialed back a bit because that up and down roller coaster kind of emotional um mentality that he has it bleeds to the rest of the team it bleeds into their attitudes it bleeds into their mentalities and i think that's probably a big reason why this team is so woefully inconsistent and unless that changes i think we're just going to see the same result over and over and i don't even think that a healthy paul george um i think it would have been interesting you know maybe the thunder get out of the first round but I mean, just think about Denver. Denver mm-hmm. had a really good regular season, and while their fan base is probably excited for the future, if you just look at their season in a vacuum, they made the second round. Who gives a damn? Yeah. So if the Thunder just simply get out of the first round, I don't think fans are going to be – like, they'll be excited in the moment, but if they disappoint and then don't make the Western Conference Finals, then it's just kind of like, well, what type of team is this? What type sure. of player is Russell Westbrook? So that's what I think needs to change if they're going to take that next big step for their goals that they that they set for themselves. Yes, and I, I think that, you know, that is – it's two things. One, I think that if you look at it that way, you can think, okay, that's probably your biggest argument for finding a new coach is finding it somebody – not because I don't think that Billy Donovan isn't a good coach, just a different voice, just a different guy in there to, with a new set of ideas, which, you know, on June 12th, that's not going to happen. You're, you got to move forward with Billy Donovan and then – I also think that, you know, we're sitting around talking about, uh, you know, getting out of the first round or getting making a run into the Western Conference Finals. I think it just kind of emphasizes 
what we've talked about before, just as far as a very spoiled fan base. Like the success that they had immediately right out of the gates with Kevin and anything that they did in, I guess, the latter half of the 2000s, uh, you know, like from 2010 to 2015 or basically when Katie left in 16, it's like it makes you appreciate what they were doing even more. Hmm. It's like because it is tough to get back to where they were. But it it's fun also to sit around and, you know, bitch and complain about why they're not back to where they were. Uh, and I think that all those factors are pretty obvious, but I don't know. I, I think that the the chase is almost as more fun than it actually is when you get to the top of the mountain, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get the same. So I, I assume from what you've been saying, not a Billy Donovan guy. No. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think that it's like a personal thing. I just don't think that I don't envision him being able to be the guy that takes this team to the next level, whatever that is, whether it be the second round or the Western Conference Finals, or an NBA Finals. I just don't think that he will be able to do that, and I think it kind of inflates what we saw even back to with Scott Brooks is that, I mean, people aren't going to be happy unless they win the championship, but um, I just don't know. I don't know. I it, There's probably a reason why I don't make the decisions around here because I would have fired his ass a long time ago. See, like – Look, I, I covered the I covered the team. And it's not because I, I don't like like his sets or anything. Yeah. It's just because no, he's a he's a smart coach. Yeah. I think it's fair to have that that opinion that you don't think that he's he's ultimately the guy that the voice in the locker room that the Thunder can need. Like I, I don't mind that take. Um what I don't like what I always kind of brush off is when people say that he's an idiot or that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like he clearly knows what he's doing. The guy won two national championships in, sure. in college basketball, which doesn't mean he's a scrub. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows how to coach basketball. And a lot of people around the league that I've talked to, uh, opposing coaches, they all have very, very nice, not just complimentary things to say about him because he's a fellow, he's a contemporary, but also like, no, he knows what he's doing. Like that guy knows basketball. So if the Thunder just straight up fired him, I don't think he'd be unemployed for too long. If he wanted to stay in the NBA, I think he could find a good assistant coaching gig. Uh, pretty quickly, and then get another head Hell, coaching. Hell, if he wants to stay around being an assistant for the Thunder, that's fine. <laughs> well, see, like, I just don't want him driving the ship. Yeah. You know, speaking of, like, the Thunder do have three assistant coaching gigs that are still open. Yeah. As far as we know, they could have they could have hired three people and just not told us that <laughs> that that whole situation. I mean, I'd love to get your take just as far as I'm sure you guys have discussed it on the podcast. Just as far as like, is that more of a Billy Donovan? There is no future in Oklahoma City, and he's told guys like. Go take care of yourself. I don't know what I'm doing after this year. I'm going into a lame duck year with one year left of my contract. Or is that guys just saying there are better opportunities around? Yeah, I mean, for, they don't let us talk to them. I mean, I think you and I... You, you, you talk to assistants more than we talk to assistant <laughs> football coaches. I was going like. to say, uh, we're pretty familiar, you and I, covering our respective teams uh, that don't really give us the... M- the most opportunities to talk to certain to talk to players or talk to coaches you know it's fine you know it's not they don't break the rules or anything but uh yeah moving on though <laughs> i know exactly I, what you mean. I, I would say like if i had to have a if i had to have a take about this and i don't really even know how assistant coaches are really picked i don't know if that's a sam pressy decision i don't know if that's a billy donovan decision i would imagine I, a coach has a lot to say just as far as yeah. Like, you're going to work with the guy every day, so you want to like the guy. Yes, I put out an article last week about basically with just a bunch of names that have uh, of assistant coaches, of former head coaches, of 
players that are trying to become head coaches, mm-hmm. maybe, or coaches in some respect, that have some tie to Billy Donovan um, in the past, whether it be at Florida or somewhere else. Um, I think whoever these assistant coaches are will probably tell us how Sam Presti views Billy Donovan's future. I think that that might be fair to say. If, if basically, best case scenario for Billy, if they hire three assistants that all have Billy Donovan ties, because assistant coaches get put on two or three year deals, then that probably tells me, Billy, all you got to do is win 50 games and get out of the first round and we'll extend you. If they hire three guys that have no ties to him and maybe like an assistant coach like I put on Larry Shiat, he's an assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks. He used to coach for the University of Wyoming. Um, he's had success uh, coaching in basketball. If they hire a guy like that, then that will tell me he's on a short leash. And worst case scenario, if the Thunder go 8-12 and 12 like they did two years ago when they had Carmelo Anthony, maybe Sam Presti pulls the trigger and fires Billy Donovan and just slides in a, a guy, potentially, um, to be the interim head coach. And that could be like a Larry Shiat, which, again, I don't think that that's realistic at all. Or maybe a, a big-time Spur assistant, because we all know how much the Thunder and Sam Presti like um, uh, uh, the Spurs. But again, all this is just me speculating, because they don't let us talk to the assistant coaches. Uh, we don't know who they're going after at this point. Uh, they could have hired them, like I said already, and just not told us. So that's all speculation. I'm just trying to use what logic I, you know, what logic I have. If they hire Billy Donovan guys, it's good for Billy Donovan. If they don't hire Billy Donovan guys, it's probably not good for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go with that. How, how important do you think coaching is, just as a whole, in the NBA? Because, like, I'm a guy that I know this is going to maybe be one of the dumber things ever said on this podcast, but... Don't worry about it. We record these things I just 2 in the morning, and we're tired. And Do I think coaching <laughs> is important? Yes. Do I think it's uh, even more inflated? You look at like the decision Nick Nurse made in Game 5 with the timeouts and stuff. Obviously important. I'm not saying that. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, though, of putting together a quote-unquote championship-caliber team. No. I think... Like Brad Stevens was the greatest thing the NBA's ever known two years ago. Ty Lue wins a championship. And right. Ty Lue knows basketball. Right. I'm not debating whether... All these Ty guys Lue. know basketball. Like, they all know basketball, but I... I I'm not going to say that Ty Lue like what, is probably... What's the difference between, you know, Ty Lue and Phil Jackson, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's, like, probably a pretty big gap, but I don't think it's just, like, mountains and valleys different. I think I think the biggest thing to being an NBA that might be a bad example. Is, is your relationship with your best players. Sure. If you have a positive sure. relationship with your best players, you're going to have success. And Billy Donovan... See Brad Stevens in Boston. Yeah. Billy Donovan has positive relationships with Russell and Paul. Now, the next layer to that is, do they also respect you? From what Paul and Russell have told us, they respect him. Okay, well, then you have a little bit more success. Well, do they respect him enough to take the foot off the gas themselves and just, I I don't want to say the phrase, but it it applies, trust the process of Billy Donovan. And that's what's in question here. Um, That's what fans, that's what media have all questioned. Like, uh, Russell doesn't run Billy Donovan's sets, or he, like, He'll he'll do it for like a play or two, but then like once it like once the game's tight, then he'll just do his own thing, and that ties into Russell Westbrook. I think the biggest thing is whoever the coach is, whether it be Billy Donovan or for next year, and it's somebody else. If Russell makes that necessary change to his game, and he's still physically capable of doing a lot of the things that he's been doing for these past few years, then that's going to be the biggest thing to help the Thunder sure. achieve. I don't think it's like so. I guess to answer your question. 
I think it's both underrated and overrated mm-hmm. coaching. I think you can overrate it, and I think you can underrate it, and I think people pick a side. Yeah. Um. So I'll. Well, it's, it's like what we talked about at the beginning. You yeah. have to have a side, as far as like which which side you think. Like the world doesn't allow you to just say, yeah, I think it's important. You know what I mean? It's like you have to take it and you have to be firm on that stance. But at the end of the day, I think the Thunder, Russell just has to shoot the ball a little bit better. And I think that he will. Like, I think that he will bounce back and shoot not as bad, not as poorly, I guess. I think having this knee procedure this early in the offseason is just better. Like, he just needs – he doesn't need to go to training camp. He doesn't necessarily need to play in the preseason. He just needs to be physically capable of running and playing basketball by that time because – as great of an athlete as he is, and he can get away with it, you can't just get conditioned on the fly because it was real apparent last year when he came back for those first month and a half that, yeah, he's not the same player, and it like everything else kind of bled into the rest of the year where he was never consistently great. He was never... He never dialed it back while shooting the ball well, while not turning the ball over. You know, like, it was like he would do those things in certain spurts because he was trying to get his yeah. conditioning back. So... I mean that's I guess that's a good thing moving forward, but um, you know right before we get out of here, just oh one thing because we I mentioned you know, that how experienced we are covering teams that don't give us as much time as we would as we would prefer with some of these players just to get to know them better so that we have better context of when they say things that m- might sound out of line or out of character it's like well no we know them because of x y and z conversations we've had off the record so we know that that's why he or she he or she said this so having said that how excited are you to barely get to know jalen hurts this season (laughs) (laughs) we've gotten kind of used to not really knowing the quarterback i mean obviously baker's situation was different um, because we did cover him for three years it was like even though you didn't get uh i guess what would be all access with baker you still you had it. He the, was he was he, he was, was boisterous and loud. Enough yes, you, you knew who he was. Yeah. You knew who he was. Uh, even Kyler, like I covered him in baseball. Uh, me and Ryan Aber was usually there from the Oklahoman. Um, you know, Cub Tulsa World. Uh, Eric Bailey would be there every once in a while as well. Like, I think we got to know Kyler probably. I don't want to say better than anybody, but maybe more so than uh, the on the media side, just because we were there for baseball and we were able to. Baseball, you basically, if you want to talk to him, you can, you can grab him, you know, yep. and coming off the field or in the Physically dugout after him. a practice. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he's not hard to get a hold of. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be interesting. I, I think that uh, obviously uh, you kind of saw in that opening press conference, uh, even going back to the spring, just as far as uh, you don't see too many quarterbacks make a five-minute opening statement uh, <laughs> and try and cover a lot of bases without really saying much. He's running for office. Yeah, basically. He's like a politician almost. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it'll be cool. We actually like, I'd say over the last year, year and a half, you've slowly started to get a little bit more access, a little bit more, uh, behind the curtain stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that Lincoln is, uh, maybe more paranoid than Bob was, which is like, as far which as is unfathomable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, I didn't think that that could be possible, but, uh, I think as long as you don't try and. I don't want to say sneak around by any means, but like as long as you're not like reporting injury stuff during the week, uh, and it's tough to get a hold of that information to begin with. But uh, I think that's like the biggest thing that pisses them off down there. And if you want to talk to them and get a feature story, that's no problem. Mike Hawk and those guys are usually pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it is different. It is different, especially like when you see, uh, schools I'm trying to think of a good example, like I think Kansas state has completely 180 themselves from where they were with Bill Snyder. Uh, and now with, uh, the new guy from, uh, North Dakota state. So, um, Whose name it's I just, also can't remember either. Shit, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember. I know at all. Neil Brown. He was good. Yeah, Neil West Brown's Virginia. at West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> uh, him and Austin Kendall. Matt so, Wells. Uh, yeah, Matt Wells down at Tech. A lot of new faces. Yeah, there are. Uh, that's why I guess Big Twelve Media Days, in a way, will be a little bit interesting. But everybody wear a name tag, please. Yeah, there will there will be need to be some uh, like meet and greets, that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it, it's really not too bad. So uh, I'm excited. It should be should be a fun season to. Uh, to cover it, and you know, I think that in a way, you know, talking about how spoiled the Thunder ba- uh, fan base has been, uh, it's that times twenty million with Oklahoma as far as what they saw the last couple of years with uh, Baker, and then obviously with Kyler last year. So, uh, oh, and then by the way, you get probably the most interesting grad transfer or most qualified grand tra- grad transfer in the history of college football now, was gonna, to follow I, up. I was going to say like my last question about this before i let you off because i don't want to take too much from your ou coverage no you're good podcast but shit i'm i'm (laughs) not doing anything today unless something something breaks you know (laughs) uh more googly eyes right um i would say this because like i'm just completely fascinated with the idea and the concept of jalen hurts because i think we all know the guy's a great football player you don't like yes he was surrounded by supreme talent at alabama but he's going to be surrounded by at least supreme offensive talent at oklahoma yeah um but still, it's just so odd that because typically grad transfers will come from like a middle tier school or a lesser mm-hmm. school to go to a bigger school. It's rare that you ever see something like or Alabama you see somebody Oklahoma. going from a big school to uh, like, go start at Miami, Ohio, or yeah. like you know what I mean. Like, yeah. so I'm just I'm curious. Like, best case scenario, obviously, would be OU goes undefeated and wins a national championship. Realistic right. scenario, and this is just basing off what we've seen the last few years. Is you know they 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 maybe lose one game that they shouldn't typical OU fashion they win the Big 12 because unless Texas seriously takes the next step I don't think anyone's really going to challenge Oklahoma for that at sure. this point sure um if if Jalen Hurts basically does what Kyler Murray does next year or this year and what he did last year maybe not maybe not win the Heisman what's Jalen's OU legacy because he's always going to be remembered as a member of the Crimson Tide he's yeah. never going to be remembered as a Sooner unless he wins a national championship. no yeah you're right and I, I'm just really interested, like, is it that fine of a line? Like, you either have to win a national title to be remembered as an Alabama and an OU player, or you're just another quarterback in the line of Lincoln Riley that just has a lot of success. It's funny that he comes into Norman at a time where it's like, you are basically filling the shoes of arguably the two most decorated college football players to ever play. Like, statistically, if you look at Baker and Kyler Seasons individually, they're, the best ever. they're the two of the best efficiency-wise uh, Yardage-wise, statistically, the best ever uh, performances that that you and they have the wins, the back yes, so I had two college football playoff appearances. Uh, you know, Baker comes within probably a couple snaps of winning of playing for a national title. Oh, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> Oklahoma wasn't as close as they were in 2017 last year, but um, you know, Kyler did things that I don't think anybody ever would have thought that. Uh, would have been able to be replicated as far as what we saw with Baker over, especially the last two years in 2016 and 2017. So, um, or even 2015. I mean, all three years were unbelievable. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is, it, it's probably not the most fair thing of all time, but I do think that it's going to be 
did you win a national title? Because I, let's be honest, that's what he's come to do. Yeah. He's come to play Alabama in a national title or at least compete with Alabama for a national title. And I think that, you know, just getting to New York City would be probably um, – he said either a way. hell of a coaching job. He either plays Alabama and it's like the you know Jalen Hurts versus Alabama mm-hmm. storyline, or he plays Clemson, the team that beat the team that he was just on. Yeah, a few that knocked ago. him out of the first half basically yeah, for the uh, national championship. Yeah, and that as well. So the, like he's got. Basically... I guess that was that would have been Georgia, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, that because Tua came in and played Georgia. Yeah, but still, I mean, yeah, you you go back all the way. It's, there's a reason, and I've said this since day one, since he got in Norman, was Clemson, the fact that Clemson beat. Jalen Hurts for a national title. That's what it was. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Go ahead. And then Tua beat Georgia, right? Yeah. Tua and then came, Clemson, and then Tua Clemson came, beat yeah. both of them this year. Yeah. Exactly. Technically, uh, there's a reason he's here, though, and those are the reasons we just we just mentioned. It's like he wasn't able to beat out Tua. That's why he's in Norman. And whether that's fair or not, uh, you know, I guess that could be debated. But uh, you know, it's going to be his team. It's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be favored in every game this, they play this season, uh, and that includes Texas in the Cotton Bowl. That includes, you know, on the road at UCLA or wherever. They're going to be favored every game. Yeah. And that's just kind of the – it kind of is what it is. That's When you come to Oklahoma, that's kind of what you expect, and uh, it's going to be fun to see, in a way, what Lincoln Riley can turn him into because <laughs> it, 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 it sounds stupid to say it, but from a skill position player standpoint – Jalen Hurts has more than Baker or Kyler even dreamed about having. Just in the just from a wide receiver, uh, oh, okay. you know, like from for instance, like Jalen Hurts is going to have a trio of five stars to work with, and Theo Weiss, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, and uh, uh, God, I can't uh, Trajan Bridges. Trajan Bridges. God, I, I blanked out for a second. Uh, <laughs> probably the best spring game of the three. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think Bridges is out of the three. He'll probably play the most this next season. Yeah. Uh, you look at, you know, like the tight ends, they're very talented guy, a group of players. When you look at Calcaterra and Lee Morris, and then, oh, by the way, you have a, a Charleston Rambo that kind of debuted in the Orange Bowl, uh, catching the long touchdown pass. And, uh, you know, Jaqueline Crawford's a guy that they feel like is going to be a player in the in the program. It's just going to be a matter of uh, and then Stog- what they can get all up front. Stogner. Yeah, Stogner, yeah. he was a guy that, I mean, that, 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 Quad uh, group of pass catchers in that 2019 class is uh, probably on paper the best that they've ever brought in at one time on paper on uh, in one recruiting class. So, um, oh, and then you have two thousand yard rushers coming back on the offense side. It, it basically <laughs> can Bill Beanabo put together a unit up front that gives them enough time. I think that's what the 2019 season boils down to, and you know we'll see what kind of uh, advancements they can make on the defensive side of the ball. But I mean. It sound like a broken record, but if they can just work themselves into like the top seventy in defense, that probably gives them a, a pretty good opportunity to uh, to play for a, a fifth Big Twelve championship in a row and uh, you know make a, a fourth college football playoff in five years. Yeah, these things happen when you don't fire the necessary person uh, when they probably deserve it. But Eddie, maybe maybe a couple years late, maybe a couple years late on that. Eddie, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. For, uh, it was fun filling in. And, it was uh, fun. You guys do a great job uh, covering the Thunder and. Hopefully they can. Uh, I know we got to get out of here, but uh, is there anything they can do in the draft? You know, um, like I've put my heart set on uh, the kid from Kentucky, and that's probably just not going to happen. Hero. Tyler yeah, Hero. Yeah. Okay. 
I love that um, kid. It, it just really depends. You shoot the lights out of the bowl. It depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for a guy to make an impact, a, like a typical rookie that's drafted at 21? You're looking for a guy that can make an impact maybe like in year two, like Terrence Ferguson? Yeah. yeah that's per, a best case. Hey, one if, of the, I mean, a if, better case scenario. A, a year and a half ago, I would have said that Tyler Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson, excuse me, I mean, not even a year ago, first three months of the season, people were ready to run this kid, including myself, was saying, I don't even know if this kid can play in the, in the NBA DL, let alone major minutes in the NBA. Mm. And he goes on a run like he had over January mm. and February. So yeah. if he can make that next step, who knows what will happen. I think the best thing that the Thunder can do for this season, because I, I don't think they can find a guy in at 21 that can help them this year, because that's what their window is, is this year or next year. So right. unless they can get a guy that just explodes into a Malcolm Brogdon, Draymond Green was drafted into the second round, you know, so it can happen. So if that happens, yes, of course. I don't think that there's a guy that you can project that can, you can prognosticate that that can happen. I think Matisse Seibel is probably the best case scenario for them because he can play defense. He's an he's an impact player on that side of the basketball, and he's got an okay jump shot. He's got an okay jumper that you know gets some NBA training. Maybe it turns into something. Uh, I'll just say this, Tyler Hero, and I've said this a few times. I'm sorry. If he's there, I don't think he's going to be available. Yeah. But if he's available, um, he's six foot five, and I don't know if you know how wingspans are supposed to work, but it's roughly like normal human beings. Your wingspan is about your height. Mm-hmm. So I'm five eleven. So my wingspan is probably about five eleven right now. Um, his wingspan is six six foot three, and he's six foot six. He's got alligator arms. So please, please draw me a picture of how Sam Press is going to draft that guy. Yeah. That- <laughs> You can't get more like uh, now, I could be opposite wrong. <laughs> of Sam Presti than than that, right? It's like you can but shoot. I don't care. He can shoot the lights out of the ball. <laughs> the guy that makes everything. What was it like? He had a, and I know it's just a workout, but he had like forty threes in a row or something for somebody he, that he worked he out hit, with. He hit eighty of a hundred um, with the Celtics. Sign him, deal. But, but remember, a few years ago, Buddy Hield hit ninety-seven of a hundred with the Boston Celtics in his workout. Things worked out pretty well for Buddy, haven't Same, they? Things worked he can, out. He can shoot. It took a minute, but uh, Buddy had a hell of a year. So I just want guys that can score the basketball. That's kind of the idea. And then you worry about everything else, uh, right? Yeah. I Again, I think the best thing for them is to make a trade, not for that moment. They're not going to get better in that moment if they make if they somehow trade the pick. But if they set themselves up to a point where they can maybe move another asset at the trade deadline and then get that guy, yeah. so it might be a little bit later in the year. So I think that's the only way that they can get significantly better. Now, San Presti's hard to predict. Yeah, I did not, I did not predict the Victor Lodipo Well, nobody trade. thought, yeah, none of none of the moves that he's made over the last, what, three years, mm-hmm. people have been like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. Exactly. So it, it's really There'll be hard something out there. Um, but, yeah, Eddie, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. For, uh, Appreciate Madison. it. Uh, Madison, by the way. I uh, you will be quizzing all the OU stuff that we talked about because Madison usually yeah I'm sure there's listening. a lot of people that are going to be excited about the uh, 2019 uh, kind of preview that we threw out there yeah. impromptu apologies to the uh, OSU fans that listen to our pod you know I love you guys so much hey but, I love Spencer uh, Sanders how about that how about that maybe he'll get to play this year I, he, hey if he doesn't play somebody should be fired I'll say that awesome well Eddie thank you so much once again everybody. Thank you for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Uh, Ma- uh, Madison will not be on the Basketball Insider Show on Saturday from 10 to noon. Uh, Chisholm Holland will be taking her place. 
and it'll be Chisholm, myself, John Hamm, Jerry Ramsey from 10 to noon. So tune into that. That'll be up on the podcast later on uh, this weekend. And then Chisholm and I will be back on Monday uh, doing our thing, probably talking about hopefully a Game 7 of the NBA Finals, but maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but for everybody else, for Eddie Rodosovich, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good day.